Um, hello, and welcome to the Remix Podcast. I'm Heather, joined by my Remix co-founder, Courtney Coleman, and our season four guest host, Ava Mayball davis um, Today, we'd like to welcome the co-founders of Assembly Room, Yulia Topchi, Natasha Becker, and Paola Gallo. 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 Um, there we go. I don't even want that edited because that just shows how bad I am at pronouncing names. <laughs> so those three are the co-founders of Assembly Room Gallery on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And here is their mission statement to start us off. Assembly Room is an art gallery and space for independent women curators to achieve success through community. We believe in coming together to collaborate, break the rules, defy the status quo, and create compelling art, exhibitions, and experiences. Our mission creates new opportunities, ideas, and conversations that will lead to female-identified curators achieving groundbreaking and inspiring results. We offer opportunities for curating exhibitions, we host monthly curator meetups, and we accept proposals for special screenings, talks, and performances at our Henry Street space. Thank you guys so much for coming. We, I mean, you could tell by that mission statement, that's we. That's why we wanted you here. It's so good. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I want to start off because we have never had three people here at the same time before. And so it's hard to ask you guys really general questions. And so can we start off with who you all are and how you came together? Who wants to start? Um, so I guess I'll start since I'm sitting right next to you. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm an independent curator and I've been... And you are Natasha. I'm Natasha and I'm an independent curator and I've been one for at least five or six years, if not maybe more. Um, and I met Yulia Topchi. At a sem- um at assembly room at um spring break actually uh-huh. when like many years ago, maybe it's five years ago too now more, more than I guess I'm an independent curator for at least school. seven or eight years <laughs> 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 longer long than I, but than I'd care to admit um and we met at the spring break art show um when it was still at the old school in the Lower East Side, um, the uh, Catholic school, and you know they would convert the little rooms, classrooms, into exhibition spaces for curators. So we m- we met there. We were always on the same floor. We you know did successive spring breaks, and we were usually on the same floor and neighbors. And you know we just would would chat during the shows, and um, um, just became good neighbors and friends. And yeah, we c- we kind of you know also continued um that uh even after spring break but that's how we met and Yulia maybe you want to yes so I um I'm Yulia Tovti and um I am a curator uh, as well I started actually creating um in in the bar that I co-owned with my ex-husband which is actually around this neighborhood um and I started doing video screenings in the basement of the space and slowly emerged into the creating at spring break where I met Natasha and uh, continued you know basically uh creating shows and then Natasha and I uh, had this uh, desire to start collectively uh, reach out to other women and invite them for the meetups and for the talks and um, having this kind of like support networking system as independent women creators because we felt like we needed to fulfill that void that didn't exist. Um, and then uh, we, by chance, by serendipity of events, we met Paula Gallia. Yes. Hi, I'm Paula. Um, I came as a surprise in the group because I am a curator I'm from Italy I'm an immigrant and I have been living in uh, New York for eight years I used to have a space in Milan a platform for independent curator for years that closed after the 2008 crisis in Milan and uh, ever since I've been living in Berlin, living uh, you know around, I ended up to be in New York. It's supposed to be six months, and ended up to be eight years now. <laughs> um, uh, and it was quite hard to figure out. I, I thought I would have come to New York, and everybody would have needed uh, 
Italian curators. <laughs> and uh, and it actually don't they? No, actually they don't. <laughs> They're quite enough. <laughs> We're quite enough. So I started to try to engage with the you know, with the new culture and uh, working thousand jobs, curating shows here and there in independent spaces, artist run spaces and uh, when I was about ready to move in an island in Greece, because uh, I thought it didn't work out for me, um, Scott from Shrine put out his space for rent because he was merging with Sergeant's daughter. And I always wanted to have a space like that. Mm. So uh, I just went... went to see the space and Scott told us, oh, there is somebody, told me, oh, there is somebody else that is interested at this, for the space. And I said, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> so he actually put us in contact. Oh, We'd never wow. met before. Ooh. And uh, because he knew that I wanted to open a platform for Curator and he knew that Julia and Natasha wanted to have the space for uh, group of independent women curators so I said why don't you go to have a drink together and talk <laughs> and at the end of the beer with Yulia we decided to have the space <laughs> to start the business and this is how wow. we met and how, where I come from wow. so, uh, an arranged marriage an arranged <laughs> marriage <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so great I had no idea I just assumed you guys were friends for a long time all three of you together it feels like it, it looks it looks like it <laughs> it feels like a family yeah. of adopted three kids from all different countries <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, one of the questions that I have is that you know you opened it at a time what year was it 2018 right yeah. so very recently so it's a time when everyone sort of knows how hard it is to have a space in New York so and there are lots of people trying um we so the reason this podcast started is we were interviewing people who are trying new models in the art world and so there are a lot of people trying things that are more online or roving or pop-ups or different models, how they work with artists. And you guys are doing something that I think is different. Um, but why why brick and mortar? I feel like, you know, we weren't looking for a brick and mortar space, actually. You know, we were, Yulia and I were very much thinking oh you know the monthly meetings with women have gone really well and we've been we did it in restaurants at her house at you know different once a month and we thought you know if we we would sometimes get together and just show images of the artists we're working with and you know um really talk about and get excited about you know the shows and projects we're working on so we thought well it could be nice to like have a space so you know we could do things in the space rather than always you know pitching proposing to you know other spaces and and we said yeah we'll just like see and keep our eyes open we weren't aggressive about it you know and it really was fortuitous this I, I promise you we we just we we had Yulia and I just said to each other all right well let's just keep our eyes open and when Scott's place came up you know and so we checked it out and we I mean we checked it out and we were still yeah you know we're not quite sure if we are ready to have a space um, and we discovered there was really just the two of us everyone else in the group just loved getting together you know? <laughs> and so I think meeting Paula really like cinched it for us you know like I mean it was like okay there's three of us now you know we can do this together and we all want the same thing so we I think that put us over the edge right and we just decided to take the jump um having the space and having the brick and mortar for us it feels more like a home you know um that we have a place to call home in the city that we also creating space like literally ma making space wedging ourselves into the community and that we are a part of um in the in the art world um and you know it, it feels like a, a 
a home that we can invite people to come into, that we can draw people towards us and really um, through our programming, through our exhibitions, through our events, you know. And and so that is also like it just becomes a, a community space, a watering hole, a, you know, a home. And, um, and that's how it, the space gained momentum is really through, you know, bringing people into the space. And so I think that for me is one of the... Um, you know, reasons to have a brick and mortar, even if it's not a very big one, you know. And I also want to add, um, I think Natasha said everything that I thought to say, but I also wanted to um, add the fact that we wouldn't open just another gallery, you know, even though we had the list of artists that we want to support and create and from different countries, we just didn't feel that there's a need for another gallery. But that's the, the, the way we formed our mission statement. We are the space for independent women creators. We are uh, a space to host them, to host their shows and to continue supporting diverse group of artists we felt that there is a need to be in that community and uh, we, we get very positive feedback uh, constantly saying thank you for actually having a physical space I think also mm, is um, the hybrid model works because we are also a commercial gallery but we have a way to operate that is more similar to a non-profit not being a non-profit for a batch of problem that we went through the process to try to even understand if it could be one so uh, we work on we keep our commercial side alive but we keep our mission and non-profit um, attitude so uh, so <laughs> uh, because also we have we can use fiscal sponsor to back the gallery so we are trying to explore that side as well and balance it in between Oops. in between uh, the non-profit and the commercial side very interesting <laughs> uh, um, everything you're saying is speaking to me big time like Courtney and I actually went and did the thing at um, uh, volunteer lawyers for the arts where you learn how to be a nonprofit. did you guys go to that and I did you, yeah <laughs> and at the end we left and we're like no we're not doing that it's we're not doing that. incomprehensible and I think the not-for-profit world is as saturated as the commercial world yes. in New York yes. City, you know. Um, so it's, it's, and I think a lot of not-for-profits, um, museums or art spaces have also experienced real, you know, problems around trustees and board members and, you know, how they, um, the influence that they exert on an organization. Um, in, and, you know, on the other side, in the commercial, it's, you know, the pursuit is obviously, you know, outright commercial and um that is the business that is the business model it's, it is a business like you know mm -hmm. yeah. and i think for us we um um you know we are making space to be able to do our programs and like you said support our artists um but we just found um yeah that you know there, there might be a greater need for like these little spaces in between the two, you know, mm -hmm. that can do a bit of both. Um, and that gives us freedom. It gives us flexibility. And we, we have all the decision making, you know, um, which is important to us to make decisions about, you know, the space and the programs and, you know, like the mission, etc. That So we really feel like, um, we can be consistent in that we can you know we we're accountable to each other mm -hmm. and our community and you know de yeah. developing and building and growing that you know yeah. Yeah. the specifics of all of this is really um, really important thank you so much for sharing all that um, and I'd like to just follow up with one of our questions um, that on your website you're transparent on how you fund the gallery um, and reading directly from that, Assembly Room is funded by the three founding curators. Their monthly contributions and sales of artwork support all the curatorial opportunities and programs. Um, how did you come to this arrangement? Um, and, you know, with this backstory? I think that there was no other option um, but to actually, you know, start 
splitting everything in, in between the three of us and paying rent and paying for expenses because we really believed in in this model. We really wanted to feel the need and the gap that ex- you know existed for and give support to independent women creators and provide mentorship that we didn't have. And through mentoring others, we are sort of getting something back by serving the needs of others. And so we didn't have an investor. <laughs> we didn't have the backer. We continue working full time, all of us. Um, and, uh, you know, we just believe that it will work out one day <laughs> and we will get our, you know, initial investment back and we will quit our jobs and we will start supporting ourselves through this model. But right now we have no choice but continue doing what we do. Well, this sort of also solves the problem of what you were just talking about, Natasha, like with board members or taking money from other people. It's very hard to know. I mean, that's a whole other podcast and a whole other like series of conversations. But like what which money do you take? Which money don't you take? And so knowing that it's yours and you're putting it in, you have the sweat equity and the actual equity is kind of it's important, I think. Yeah. Yeah, And it's I think it's also I mean, we for us we look none of us have trust funds or as you said investors or backers or and whatnot right Mm -hmm. but it was important for us to find a space that we felt we could be reasonable for us Mm -hmm. you know so obviously if we had all of that we could have you know sky's the limit you know depending on whether they have a million five hundred thousand or fifty thousand or five thousand you know so we also felt that we could enter at at a at at you know, a level that was reasonable for us that fit with the fact that we have day jobs with our lives, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as three women too, you know, there is something great about working together because we do share our lives and we share, you know, our business and we share how do those two fit together too. So we have a lot of understanding for that, you know. We, we have different lives, we have different points, but we also run our business with that understanding of what, you know, what we can do, what we can give, where we can be, etc., mm-hmm. and I think that's also unique. It's like it is it is a, a more, you know, sympathetic sort of work environment for us, you know, because we understand each other and because you know we we, we have great ownership in it because it is our own, you know, money that we put into it, our own time, our own networks, our own resources, etc. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that is it's very precious to us, and you know that's why we take great care of it because you know, we're really giving a lot to it. Of course, that doesn't mean that we're not looking for opportunities to support our not-for-profit programming, to really increase um, our sales, you know, when we have shows. And when we say we're an art gallery, we're not a typical art gallery in that we don't represent artists. We are more of a presenting space, um, working with curators to present artists that, you know, are um, really compelling and interesting and you know worthy of support um so uh, even in that sense you know we try to balance out um how to fundraise for our, for our non-profit programming and also how to push you know um um our commercial and our sales uh, of of artwork you know mm-hmm. paula did you want to add something i think you said everything <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to walk us through the process of how you work with curators and who comes to you, what you're looking for. Is there a certain type of artist that you you've found you find yourselves drawn to? We started to work with curator through open call. We we put we publish our first open call after a month. We were open basically last year the October and we received way more um proposal that we have thought because it was just you know we were just opened and so was we're not surprised <laughs> <laughs> yeah because all we're doing is talking to independent curators <clears throat> and the big topic of conversation is like how do you actually find the space to do the project you want to do so not surprised Go yeah on. Uh, yeah it's and uh, the word is spread very fast mm-hmm. uh, apparently and uh, um yeah, we uh, got this uh, proposal. We selected four of them and two other special projects. So um, the process to select um, curator is pretty democratic. Through open call, we go through all the proposal. We try to 
um, pick the one that mi match our mission that is has this political engagement that we also have. So all our exhibition usually um, have a commentary of some political issue, climate change, immigration, um, gender equality. So for the first year, we did that. And uh, um, we have also a basement that we set up as a um, performance and video room. And in the basement, the the proposal are more uh, are free basically people uh, um, curator can come to our studio and submit a proposal for the basement anytime so we tried to double the space have a programming that is planned for the year and then a more flexible program for the basement now we are on our second open call for 2020 we are going to announce the winner this week. Uh, so excited. I, I know. <laughs> and um, because this year we had so many more and excited mm, uh, proposals, we are trying also to see how we can spread it in the uh, surrounding of the gallery with partnering with some other spaces. So, but that is uh, uh, an idea that is is um, in an embryonial uh, kind of stage. And uh, the, the thing that we are um, interested in the most is to have an open space for the curator that um, wants to walk along and be part of the family. And uh, because the space is very small, we are also trying to expand a little bit and also the time frame it is what it is. We cannot have under the exhibition in a year, but Last year we had 12, and believe me, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. So um, this is how democratically we go through the, the process of um, selecting curators. I also want to point out that, you know, looking at the applications, what usually stands out is, you know, the different approaches and ideas that um, come out in the exhibitions that we haven't seen before and continue notion of working with artists who are diverse you know um, the of course we want to support women artists artists that have not shown in in uh, New York at all artists who come in and curators who come in from outside of the city because they are less advantaged uh, and also um, just minority artists as well. Um, and um, also, I think the strong applicants for me are those who really consider the space limitations and really think through um, before submitting the proposal and their strong um, interest in the community building because we're really big on community. We work with um, the institutions around us and uh, public spaces and we really want to serve the, the diverse community of Chinatown, Lower East Side. So those who are really interested in the public talks, uh, public programming are definitely uh, the top list for me, <laughs> for us. So last year we did 12 exhibitions how many screenings did we do? Like 12 six? exhibitions, 16 uh, in between performance and uh, um, t uh, talks. Uh, we had all, you know, yeah. food performance, yeah. concerts, and uh, video screening. And, and uh, we also offer professional development um, workshops or talks. So that's for our monthly curatorial group. So we have a monthly cura curator meetup. That's just free and open. Anyone can come. But there are core people who, you know, come to all of those. So we also organize events. And so, you know, last year, I think we all learned a lot from last year. You know, we learned a lot about, you know, who are the independent women curators who are coming? Um, what kinds of shows are they proposing? You know, um, what can, what is possible for us in terms of space and resources and, you know, um, schedule? So we got a lot of feedback, I feel like, you know, so one of the decisions we made, for instance, was to have less exhibitions and longer running time for exhibitions you know um to have uh you know restructure the um monthly meetup so that it's a combination of meetup and networking and just kind of hanging out and talking shop and you know special guest speakers and also going outside of the the 
um, space to visit other spaces, you know. So last month we were in the Bronx at Palanca, Amezka's little space that she runs from her apartment. So, you know, we I think we've, we've, we really do learn a lot from the conversations and the interaction and the engagement. And um, in terms of the curators, you know, it, it's, a, it's a mixed bag. You know, there are very young curators who have done their first show ever at Assembly Room. And with them, we really, we really in, you know, encourage conversation and collaboration and we give them guidance, you know. So we kind of, usually it's about scaling back, you know, scale back the idea, focus on something specific and achievable, you know. And so, um, um, you know, we are able to also say you know well maybe it's a two-week show in the basement that's a sculpture and a screening and a talk or maybe it's a you know so we like to with younger curators we we find we do much more mentorship and give a lot much more guidance and support and obviously with curators who have a bit more experience you know have done five shows or, or or are you know independent curators for a few years already have some shows behind their belt um there we also give feedback and input because as you said the space is actually really interesting because you know it it, it, it has its um pe- peculiarities but as a curator you know understanding space is almost like your sixth sense you know um and so we encourage people to really understand the space because we've seen so many different shows in the space, we are there all the time, and we know that it it will respond differently to different kinds of, you know, exhibitions and ideas and activities. So there's some um, in relation to that, and um, so we also try to kind of you know adjust and tweak to those different levels at which curators are entering, you know, and to offer so- something for everybody a little bit. Um, <coughs> And with the open calls, what we discovered is that there are often more um, proposals that we like, and yet we are only maybe able to offer three or four slots in the year, you know. So how can we um, continue to work with, you know, we don't want to lose those curators. We don't want them to just propose something and disappear. We want them to be part of the community. So how can we engage them? How can we support them? How can we say, well, look, we can't realize the show here, but you know, we really like to work with you and see if we can use our network to partner and, and present your show in another space or, you know. So that, as Paula said, that's in, we're just beginning to have that discussion as we are talking to other, um, you know, small organizations like ourselves and small art spaces um, that we're getting to know in the Lower East Side, in Brooklyn, etc. Um, and that seems like a, you know, part of it. But, I mean, you know, it's like, we want to help as many um, curators realize the, the projects that we see um, that come across, you know. Our it's so great because the way that you guys are talking, I love it. so Because it is, I think it's really unique. So I want to ask you if there are spaces out there that you look to or mentors that you've had that helped you realize this idea. Because to me, it sounds a lot like conversations I've had with artists and artist-run spaces, mm-hmm. how sensitive they are to the issues of the artists who are applying or showing. And you guys are so sensitive to the issues of the curators. Like just the fact that you have this much more flexible space in the basement where you can respond to ideas quickly. Because I think for an independent curator, and we can all agree, it's really hard if you have an idea now that needs to be realized soon. There aren't, unless you just, unless you find a space yourself, there aren't a lot of places that are that flexible and that nimble to actually help you do that um, or would care after the rejection to like actually care about what you're doing. Like yeah. that's, it's pretty amazing, right? Yeah. And I think I, to also follow up in this nature of collaborating that goes beyond the application, it goes towards um, continuing and building a network. Um, because that within itself just allows a lot of growth. You know, if um, an application is rejected, a lot of the time you don't receive feedback. And this all go- also goes to artists. But I think um, in nurturing a network and possibility of curatorial careers, um, receiving that feedback is crucial. Um, and to see a proposal grow instead of just die off or maybe go somewhere else it can actually just kind of grow and develop within a network already um and that kind of uh generosity happens in artist-run spaces all the time but 
I, I think there also hasn't been a conversation of, of where curatorial um, independent curators are now. Like, where did they come from? It feels like a moment. <laughs> um, so I'm also curious to, to kind of um, maybe pick your brain a little bit on what um, in your career so far has kind of really influenced where you're at now. I think that, you know, I personally don't have a, a place where that I looked at uh, to as an inspiration, uh, except for spring break. I'm really grateful for spring break because I think that if we can call ourselves a permanent adopted child of a spring break, that would be it. Uh, also serving the needs of female creators because what they've did, done was amazing and really supportive of all of us who just were starting and this with this idea of creating shows in New York City and working with an emerging artists but only if they did this, you know, throughout the year. And when Natasha and I picked up, like, well, let's just do it throughout the year. Let's just have the permanent home. And with Paula, you know, we finally decided to do that. Um, so that was my inspiration. I think maybe Natasha would agree in terms of the spaces that where we would, I would, we would maybe reach out to and we had this conversation I was looking at our notes from two years ago and Natasha and I was thinking like oh well the space that we liked was um, Pioneer Works in Red Hook so the space that we maybe strive for is to have the space with the kitchen with communal living you know residency library uh, continuous you know flow of creators continuous flow of artists what we also looked at is an inspiration but not exactly the same model um, so I, I think that those two places I, I still keep in mind I mean spring break without permanent home but this whole idea of support and network and then um, Red Hook Space Pioneer Works is a definite physical inspiration I had a, had a, a platform for independent curator in Milan before so is that normal in Milan no just <laughs> <checking>. No, <laughs> no. I uh, it, that was a, that is another long story that I will save you. But um, yeah, I had that space in Milan. But it, how we started was very easy. We were two students for uh, an, in a, a curatorial program, and we ended up to be a space that came to us by mistake <laughs> basically like I, we got the, this key of this huge space and we started to curate shows and at some point after a couple of years that we were there we said how long can we just curate our show and say to ourselves that we are just such a cool people <laughs> there are uh, all our classmates uh, in the curatorial program have no space and let's just invite some of them and see how it works. And we have done it for, we did it for years. And it was very fun, very successful. The curator grew, uh, a community came around that space. Uh, and, and it was fun and interesting. And we tried to push forward the conversation of young curator a lot. So when I moved here, I thought, and we had, I had the opportunity to have a space. I thought, again, there is so much, there is a need of spaces for curator because these schools are like bringing out hundreds of curator a minute. And where are those, I, I mean, are they going to be all Instagram curator? No offense for Instagram curator, I love them. But sometimes it, I feel that in is a, a real space is needed, a real space where people are actually engaging in a personal conversation you know personal conversation yeah and um so i feel like that it was the place where i come from um, I, um and also model i more have i i always thought that you know um curator turns into a bureaucrats mo a, a lot because it's is needed again there is or all a, this fundra a fundraiser yeah and uh, i really didn't want to do that. So <laughs> I have more do that. <laughs> model that I don't want to follow, the model that I want to follow, because apparently we are the first one that has that kind of... Uh, so, uh, and also my first degree is in sculpture. I, I, I studied fine art, and uh, this idea of 
open space and open space for opportunity is it come from artist run spaces and there are so many in new york i mean everybody's in love with them but canada when the f- i first moved here i i could couldn't wait to go there and and uh, i love their model i love the the way that are like so strict on their uh, mission. Everybody that works there is an artist. Everybody that, and the way how they grew and they still inclusive and they're, but and the level that they reached is is interesting to me. The the, the artists that they represented, the artists that they mm, are walking with in in the in their path, and that is, or another place that I really really love is air. In them, well, yeah. just because they're they're having like a renaissance right now. I feel like they are yeah. heroes. They've been around for fifty years. They strictly kept on represented women for the whole time, and I like this kind of um, firm identity of spaces that goes through. They, they, they go through the years without following the trend, without, but sticking on their ideals, sticking on their... And yeah. this is what I would like to see. Uh, uh, having a curve like the one of Canada would be great for us. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I can see um, it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think of curating my, in my practice as a creative one. And so I do see a lot of similarities between um, artists and curators who think of, you know, curators who think of their practice as a creative one. And, um, uh, you know, and so as, I mean, the my, I, I've always said that the best part of curating to me is the conversations that I'm having with artists, you know. And then the second best part is being able to, uh, through an exhibition, you know, just touch people or move people, or help people understand an issue or, you know, share something with people. That's the sort of second flip side of that. And in between, as you all know, there's a lot of logistics and practical things and project management and negotiations and politics and agendas and interests and, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, that's the, um, like, two really important things for me. So I think that... I mean, I want Assembly Room to be a space where curators also feel like they have a creative process and that they can unfold the process within, you know, that context, etc. Um, and I I mean, that's a space that I want to be in, you know, because when I curate, and I've curated shows in galleries or, you know, at foundations or museums, etc., um, you know, you you kind of in already in an organization, um, you know, that already has um, set ways of doing things that has, you know, a, a, also a mission and programs and structure. And you work within that as well, you know. Uh, with the assembly room, I feel because we are young, we are still a little more open, we're a little more porous, we are still changing and we're more flexible. So we can embrace more creativity and more creative you know ways of working and ways of thinking um and um so yeah just it being a space for creativity is i think very important um i have to ask a really practical question that i think our listeners well i know i am wondering also um you guys did mention we're talking a lot about independent curators and artists and the creativity in both and what are your day jobs (laughs) Because that's something we're also trying to, like, demystify this whole thing. Um, Because I think it's silly for artists to hide what their day job is. Like, I think that we all have to accept that this is a reality of a lot of people's situations and not um, make it this horrible secret that everyone's, like, trying to hide. But if you really don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. But if everyone could share what their day job is, that would be awesome. Um, well, I am, I mean, I work as an independent curator full-time, which so I always have, like, you know, I have, like, eight proposals out there in the world somewhere, you know, but there's only really one that I want to work on for the next year. Um, <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about that before we move on? Like, uh-huh. when you have eight proposals out in the world, are you, how 
how are you deciding where they're going? Are they are you are people asking you for proposals? Yeah, are you most sending them? most of the time I'm invited to propose something. Okay, and that comes just from the network and knowing people and meeting people. You know, one thing always leads to another thing. You do one show, leads to other shows. There's there's always the best thing you can do is to do things, right? It doesn't even matter what the thing is, but just to do something in the culture, in the in in the arts, and then things always come from there. You know, opportunities come from there. And I've been invited to write, for example, too. So it's not only um, exhibitions, but you know, contribute a short piece here, an essay there, that sort of thing. Um, and the only reason I have eight, eight proposals out in the world is because you know I've been invited in a few instances. The one proposal that I would like to pursue in the next year, um, you know, in that case, I, I I was actually reaching out to my network, like, you know, I have this idea, how do I want to realize this, like, you know, what what recommendations do you have? And, and, you know, one of my kind of advisors, in inverted commas, you know, people that I draw on, said, oh, why don't you approach this museum director? I think this would be interesting for her for these reasons, you know, and set up a meeting and have a discussion about this proposal. And, you know, and I was like, oh, so that was, a, that's a starting point, you know. I probably have to do that. Depending on how that goes, I'll have to, you know, take another step. So, that is, I mean, a lot of it is the network and drawing on people and sharing your ideas and then taking just one step at a time, you know. So, um, but I also, um, I also work with my partner who's an artist. And so I also, you know, work closely with him on organizing, you know, studio events, on grants, on, you know, all kinds of things as well. So, um, and then I have assembly room, um, you know, and I'm I'm there as well. Doing uh, we we take turns being in the gallery. I have a show opening, the next show opening at assembly room, so it's my first show for the year, Sunday, the twenty seventh of October, <laughs> five to eight. Um, it's a solo show of a young artist, Leandria Lesseur, who's really super talented and. Um, and we are we always excited when it's an artist's first solo show in New York City, no matter what age or level, um, you know. So that's that's coming up. Um, yeah, and you know, I'm I'm also out actually making applications for jobs, you know, for full time jobs and considering. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm kind I'm kind of stepping in tiptoeing into it because I've enjoyed having this freedom and independence and I, I sometimes I describe myself as a creative independent you know because I feel like a lot of what I do is creative work that's the work that I do you know um, and so uh, yeah I'm, I'm tiptoeing into the job market to see what is out there and you know if that if that will work or not so we'll see I think I have a similar background as you have with mixed screens. Uh, so um, I became uh, sort of like an expert in online um, gallery network and, you know, marketing for galleries. So I was working for Artsy for almost four years and then I left to pursue Assembly Room, mm -hmm. at least to give it a try for the first few months. And then I was approached to work for another online platform, um, which is based out of Paris, it's a, it's a network to uh, connect galleries that deal with secondary market and find works and sell works through this network. So I, I, I tapped into the secondary market world right now, uh, but it's still sort of uh, continuing to build relationships with galleries, uh, with the community in a different way. So that's what I do um, when I'm not at assembly room. <laughs> I drink for a living. <laughs> I am a wine curator. Uh, I, uh, no, I'm a wine buyer. I'm sorry. A yeah, I am a wine buyer for a big company, restaurant company in Brooklyn. And uh, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. That doesn't have anything to do with art. And I feel it, it has everything to do with art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I feel lucky that, that I can have a couple of days a week, three days All a week. All these things make sense to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, again, I started to work in restaurant when I first moved here because I was, all right, I need some money. And uh, my, my family is... Uh, Uh, my family business was a um, wine producing company. So, as a. So Italian. So, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I carved to myself that position through the years. And now I, I do that. And I babysit a, a lot of these restaurant people, <laughs> 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 events for them. And I work mm. in that way. It's a very flexible job. And uh, it pays enough to. Yeah. Uh, you know, allow me to have the gallery and I'm yeah. living in New York. So, yeah. and um, it's fun and it's tasty. It's <laughs> and, you know, I mean, all, all of us, the most, w one of the most important things is flexibility, you yeah. know, yeah. besides that we can pay our jobs and I mean, pay our, pay our, pay for our lives and um, assembly room. We also have flexibility, you know, um, which in a regular nine to five, we wouldn't have, you know. Um, but as you can imagine, we have really um, fun events. We always have great wine. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we come from very, like, you know, cultures that pride themselves on their hospitality mm. and, you know, um so 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 that always also shines through you know we love um hosting people and yeah um i think also from the things that we've learned i mean one of the things that we would love to have is to be able to offer curators stipends you know because although we offer them the space we offer support we you know um we staff the space we prepare everything we, we share the network we you know work together on selling and 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 the idea really is that yes you participating as a creator but you also have an opportunity to, to participate in the market you know and get paid through that you know right. i mean if you know we, we share sales with curators as well um, i'm not sure if we mentioned that um, so there is an opportunity for a curator to earn a stipend in that way but i think we would love to have exhibition budgets proper budgets for curators and stipends for curators um, we think that but that they have to drink much more for that <laughs> <laughs> yes at the moment until we don't get <laughs> found it um but you know it would it's also it's Im it's also important for us because it would support greater diversity in in our community and in our program too you know that is also a challenge um is that you know more established curators often have more resources less established curators don't have as much resources you know and even if you do a show on a shoestring you could still be out of pocket you know a couple of thousand you know or five hundred dollars if you really you know, doing something extremely minimal. So I think that that's one of our, you know, big aspirations moving forward. I think I already mentioned that uh, I, our idea is to have the space like, uh, you know, Pioneer Works <laughs> and just have like this and where we can live and work and just do that, just to do an assembly room and have this communal living uh, with creators that come and go. That's that's my d dream. And it can be in Red Hook too. I don't mind <laughs> going there. <laughs> and I make sure that in five years we are going to have... Um, second space on the beach in somewhere on the Mediterranean <laughs> to have residency for artists and other for artists and curator sure. and uh, yeah but I, I, I would like to mix them my dream is to have a place where actually curator and artist can work together and writer and maybe have a nursery <laughs> or a or a daycare so the we women curator can come with the kids and not being just tied to their uh family obligation uh, uh, yeah and all th we have to ask our closing question because yeah. we have asked everyone and it's an awkward one for most people but we're going to do it anyway um and if you hadn't gone into art you couldn't have gone into art at all what would you have done I come from a family of winemaker and activists, and I would love to say that I would be, I don't know, a winemaker or um, an advocate for human rights. But when I was 15, I was very into mother bikes, and I really wanted to be an Harley Davidson mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> then I started, started to study art and it got me. <laughs> but yeah, probably I would dream to have some boutique Harley Davidson garage in some places. <laughs> no one else has said that. So that's amazing. <laughs> I actually studied business. Yeah, so I, I, I was in business before I started doing uh, art, taking art history classes on my own while I was already working for a bank and corporations. So I'm not an art history person and I'm not an artist. And if I were to s start again, I would probably, like my answer was like, no, I would go into photography, but that's art. But um, <laughs> more and more, I think that I would definitely, uh, even now, I, th I entertain the idea of law. So. I think that I would study law and become a lawyer. Um, it's a hard question because um, you know you 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 end up on your path, however you end up on your path. I think I would always uh, I've ended up in some kind of creative field, you know, because as a kid I loved to dress up and and disguise myself and entertain my family. Like I'd put on these little plays, so I'd be like, you know, I was like ten and I'd be like an old man with a cane, or I'd be like, <laughs> and I'd I'd I think I was so good that they, you know, I'd be completely transformed, you know, and like. So I, I love doing that, like performing. And, um, you know, my dad was a musician, so I loved singing. And I think I could have, like, I, I think I would have been, like, in the theater, you know, like being a performer. That's, yeah, that's art. Um, and, and I was always, I liked fashion too, actually, you know. Um, so I think I also like fashion and design. I still do. And, I mean... I, you know, what I, what we love about like the Pioneer Works model, right, and it is its interdisciplinarity within the arts, you know, and I think, I think that's maybe like we all like a bit of everything, you know, um, we we have the space for visual, but actually we're really open to that's that's we like these Renaissance women. What can I say? <laughs> I think the law could still come in handy, you know, oh, and we always need handy. to be fixing. Very we always need to be fixing handy. things. Very creative. Oh yeah, <laughs> but thirteen bones broken oh, after. Maybe motorbikes <laughs> are not my thing anymore. <laughs> I rode it for way too many hospitals. <laughs> I'm a terrible driver so well thank you guys so much for coming um i want to thank our guests the assembly room co-founders yulia natasha and paula you can follow them at assembly room nyc email us at info at the remix.nyc follow us at the remix.nyc and production by courtney coleman thank you courtney thank you thank you thank you, thank you everyone thank you, so thank you. it was beautiful <laughs>